G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast here, recapping round 19 on Monday afternoon, who'd have thought it, I'm organised for once, this isn't coming out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and I think it's partially because I've given up on my team, so I want to get the AFL fantasy stuff done and out of the way early in the week so that I can enjoy my Monday through Sunday, but... It was a very interesting round 19 for AFL fantasy coaches. There were some stunning scores out there and some pretty topsy-turvy results as well. Who would have thought Carlton would be riding a win streak at this point in the season? But after 19, 20 weeks, we now have the fantasy finals upon us. We have four weeks left in season 2019. Some of us, myself included, are already looking at 2020, but there are plenty of coaches out there who are in the crucial pointy end of their season. A lot of draft sides... A lot of fantasy leagues will be diving into the finals, so the next few moves that you're going to make are going to be crucial. So without further ado, let me dive into the round 19 wrap-up. First things first, let me go through my team. I scored 22-10 on the weekend, so the third straight week I topped 2,200 points, which is pretty solid. It's also the same number of injuries that Collingwood seems to have at the moment. I moved up a whopping 43 spots in rank, and a couple of the blokes that I've been trading in haven't really given me bang for buck that I would have liked, but that's okay. Like I've said multiple times in the past few months, my season's already down the toilet. Starting in defense, there weren't too many huge scores down here, but everyone was reliable, I guess. Sydney Stack is one of my last rookies on my field and opted to trade James Sicily over him this week. Gained six points, uh, if you look at it that way. So congrats to Sydney Stack for getting a 78. He was my lowest score in my defense. Hunter Clark had an 88 on debut for me, brought him in for Sicily, so that was nice. The big names in my back line didn't really light it up. Laird, Whitfield, and Lloydie tracked around the 90s, and Brody Smith, was the only bloke to get to triple figures. So defense was a little bit meh. My midfield, similar story. There were a couple of uh, lower scores there, but I relied on Adam Trelaw and Jack McRae to get me 120-plus. Got hundreds from Gaffey, Taranto, and Mitch Duncan. Zach Merritt on debut didn't really light the world on fire, which stung a bit, but Luke Shuey is the one who's probably more glaring and alarming. Does have a Handy run coming up, so I think I'll back him in. But only 87 points against North was a bit disappointing. Will Snelling was my M8 with 64. I thought he would be better, a little bit better than this, but I'm not too worried. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 70 or 80 anytime soon. But 64 is still a fine score. Into my rucks, I opted to uh, captain, like, well, I think it was 39% of coaches. I opted to captain Brody Grundy. It's the first time in a while I haven't chased a bit of a unique, and... I uh, got what I deserved, a 79. Max Gorn would have been 50 points better, but... Yeah, God, 2019 has seriously tested my patience, fantasy-wise. Into the forwards to wrap this thing up. 114 from Bokey was nice. Got 100-pluses from Warple and Dangerfield. Tim Kelly has been struggling lately, and there's a couple of people who've been asking me about trading him out, and honestly, you can't really uh, turn it down after the form that he's been in. Billings sucked a bit, but Jack Zebel was really the alarming one, only scoring a 61. He'll go for me this week if everything holds to form. I did have Hind and Jared Cameron on my bench, so I've got a few playing rookies that could be culled, but I'm almost at the point of the season where I'm going to start throwing away bench positions just because I want to maximise 
the points on my field. It might burn me if I get a laid out, but there's not a lot else I can do. So 22-10, not a terrible score. Like I said, it helped me move up a little bit, but still a far cry, far cry away from the relevant fantasy teams. Cloudy with a chance of carnage time. Plenty of injury news to talk about. The saddest story of the round was Dale Morris's knee injury. The dogs confirmed not too long ago that he has suffered his third ACL tear. So Dale Morris's 253rd AFL game might very well be his last. That's his third ACL tear in 17 months. So shout out to Dale Morris. Everyone seems to love the bloke. I've never personally had a lot to do with him, but... Uh, he is a very popular fantasy, well, not fantasy footy bloke, but a very popular bulldog, so wishing him all the best. From a fantasy perspective, there were a couple of relevant names who were struck down with injury. Most importantly, probably, was Taylor Adams before Friday night. Luckily, that was on Friday night, or a lot of coaches would have been very sour having traded him in. There were a couple of people who had him in trade plans, myself included, and there's plenty of doubt now planted in our minds after he was a late out, so watch his status Throughout the week, Trent Cochin suffered a hammy injury. Third time this season, Cochin's hamstring is a concern, so that's pretty alarming stuff from Richmond's perspective. Don't be surprised if they take a bit of a conservative approach with their skipper. He wasn't the only one whose hamstring gave him trouble in round 19. Jordan Degoe seems set for a stint on the sidelines as well. Might hurt a few draft coaches out there. Similar with Luke Ryan, he hurt his right hamstring in the third quarter against the Hawks, so uh, against the Bulldogs rather. So that's less than ideal. Alex Witherden, he went out early against Hawthorne and felt something pop in his upper calf slash knee area. So. Sounds like he'll miss at least a few weeks. A lot of people might be still holding on to Isaac Quainor, Collingwood defender. He's set to miss multiple weeks with a stress fracture in his foot. So another one that's a little bit touch and go. And probably not in a lot of teams, but Sean Attlee kind of gruesomely dislocated his knee against West Coast. And the severity of it's still a little bit unclear, but he's definitely doubtful for round 20. Next up, let's dive into Fry's favourite five. The plus five and negative five from last week switch spots this week, funnily enough. So the best on ground in Fry's favourite five's eyes goes to Patrick Cripps, who struggled last week but looked like the contested ball-winning beast that we know he can be when he's at the peak of his powers against the Crows. He accumulated the equals second most clearances ever with 19 on the weekend and pretty much secured himself three Brownlow votes in the process, those coaches that stuck with him were handsomely rewarded, so kudos to the people who gave him another chance. We thought something like this might happen, but 141 was definitely a bonus from Patrick Cripps. Another frustrating midfielder cops the plus four this week in the form of Seb Ross. 146, a season best and a round high score Seb Ross had, and He's flirting with fantasy relevance again after a bit of an up-and-down season. He's had a couple of alright games, but he's not floating in a lot of fantasy sides due to his pretty average form. Managed 31 touches, kicked a couple of snags, a lot of marks and tackles against the Demons. So we saw him be very relevant in the fantasy finals in 2018, and we might be in for a similar story in 2019 if Ross keeps it up. Plus three this week goes out to Carlton veteran Cade Simpson. It's been too long since we've heard Simo's name in the positive column. He's 
a real possibility he's only got four games left in his AFL career. And the kick-happy defender was at his peak of his powers again against the Crows. Managed, I think, 30 touches and 25 of them were kicks, something around that mark. And had a match-high eight rebound 50s, doing everything that we know and love Cade Simpson for. There's only 9% of coaches out there who still have him in their sides. And at 521 grand, he's definitely a cheap trade target. If you're getting desperate, maybe someone like... Isaac Quainall or Griffin Lowe's on your field and you want to try and chase Simo, but there aren't too many more of these outings probably left in his tank, and while it's risky, you have to reward him when he's putting up serious numbers like this. Dustin Martin cops this week's plus two. I called him out a few weeks ago asking him to reward the coaches who've stuck fat with him, and round 19 was another display of how dominant he can be when he's firing on all cylinders. Was at his match-winning best? He probably will take home three Brownlow votes as well for this performance. There are some coaches out there who are trying to look for someone to complete their forward line. I don't really know if I would give the all-clear on trading maybe Tim Kelly or James Warple to Dusty, but... If you're a frustrated Jack Zebel owner, then Martin is definitely worth considering. Lastly, the plus one this week goes to Maximus Gorn. We all thought that Braden Pruce's omission from Melbourne's side would see Gorn go 120 plus, and the big man didn't disappoint. There were a lot of people considering other routes after an up and down month of footy from Maximus, but he showed us why a lot of people, myself included, think that he's the clear second best ruck in fantasy. There are definitely some contenders, but for now, Gorn holds his spot at number two in the fantasy ruck power ranks. Now for the negatives. Time for Fry's frustrating five, and it pains me to say it, but this week, Brody Grundy cops the negative five. It might be a bit harsh. His 79 isn't a woeful score by any means, but it's not exactly what we wanted from a newly crowned fantasy pig. I was one of the 39% of coaches who captained him, and we saw him really just go through the motions, play a bit too much time up forward for our liking for a 79. It was disappointing, but no fantasy player is perfect, so it kicked the weekend off on a sour note, but it is what it is. I'll probably still captain him next week and won't have any doubt. The negative four goes to someone who you might have captained if you didn't have the badge on Brody Grundy, and that was Josh Dunkley. We expected him to feast against Fremantle, and the Bulldogs continue to be high up on the list of fantasy scoring sides, but every so often, one of them just seems to miss out. We saw Bontempelli and McRae go nuts. Bont missed out, I think it was last week. It might have been a few weeks ago, and this time, unfortunately, it was Dunkley's turn. He only managed 71, but I think we can expect greater things from him to close the season. It was his worst score since round four, so it stings, but you've just got to cop it and move on. Speaking of moving on, I will be trading this man out if everything goes according to plan this week. And that man is Jack Zebel. I warned him on the podcast last week. I said, if you don't go triple figures, Zebel, then you've got to go. And he only scored 61 against West Coast. I understand that taking on a premiership contender in with the Eagles in their home ground isn't really the best fantasy matchup, but... It's not really his output uh, that's worrying me, it's his role. So, well, his output is due to his role, but you know what I mean. He's losing midfield minutes now that Sean Higgins is back. Luke Davies Uniac back in the side doesn't help his cause as well. So, if you're a Zebel owner, I think it's definitely time to cut your losses. The negative two goes to someone who might be floating in a few teams who traded out Max Gorn when he was under an injury cloud, and that is Steph Martin. He looked every bit like a 32-year-old on the weekend with Ben McAvoy and 
Oscar McInerney beating him in the hit-out tally. There's not too many sides rocking with him, but at under 600 grand, I think it's really time to abort if you are a Steph Martin owner. There were a lot of different routes I could have gone with a negative one, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's time for your weekly Angus Brayshaw check-in. Another negative performance from Gus Brayshaw. Only managed 66 points from a very pedestrian 17 touches, 3 tackles, and 3 marks. Doesn't look anything like the bloke that finished third in the Brownlow last year. Unfortunately, at 515 grand, can't really get him to anything else. It might be able to save a little bit of money by trading him to his brother, Andrew, who has had back-to-back tons, but, oh, God. Spare a thought for the 10% of coaches who are still suffering from the Brayshaw experience, but, uh, yeah, God, I don't have much else to say. Let's look at trade tactics now. A lot of coaches out there will be rocking with pretty close to, or if not full, finished sides. So shuffling some premiums will be a very popular trade tactic in the next few weeks. One bloke who will come under a lot of consideration and probably is the form player of the comp right now is Toby Green. After Josh Kelly went out of the side, we've seen Green roll into the midfield and he had 126 again on the weekend. Third straight score over the 115 mark and he's playing definitely a lot more midfield time and if he's in the guts, then he is definitely a beneficiary fantasy-wise. So nothing wrong with considering Toby Green as a trade-in target. A couple of grand less and set to go down a little bit more in price is Caleb Daniel. He only had 86 on the weekend, so it's not exactly like he's lighting the world on fire, but the pint-sized bulldog is someone who I have my sights set on in the next few weeks. Still racked up a lot of the footy, which is good to see, so I don't mind a move for Daniel. I'd probably tick off Toby Green more so than Daniel, but I do think that Big Caleb can uh, go well to end the season. Patrick Cripps... We saw him go 55 and 140. Does come with plenty of risk, but there is plenty of reward on offer as well. He's got West Coast this week, so it might be a tough matchup, but he's in good form going off just one week. So at 633 grand, you might be able to look at bringing him in. And Max Gorn is in 42% of teams, so this probably isn't relevant for a lot of people, but if you're chasing an upgrade from someone like Steph Martin, or maybe you've got a Scott Lysette type, Still rocking in your ruck, I think. Max Gorn is your number one trade target. Obviously, I'm assuming that everyone owns Brodie Grundy. Riley O'Brien and Rowan Marshall are both fantastic footballers, but Gorn, like I've said before, is still, in my eyes, the number two ruck. Most of the second game has backed up their debut performances with another solid outing in round 19. So there are some rookies that you can grab, but they do come at a steeper price now. Dalton Langlands and Hayden McLean are probably at the top of the food chain, they, again, do come at a little bit of a cost. I do like Will Snelling as well, but those blokes, along with someone like Riley West, who scored all right on debut with a 53, and Francis Watson, he's costs exactly the same as West at 231k. I expect Francis Watson to miss if Hearn comes back into the side, but all those guys are fine trade targets. I think it's wise to chase a cheaper target to maximise the dollars in the bank for the run home through the fantasy finals, but... If any of those players listed hold their spot and you want to consider them for a trade down, they're solid downgrade manoeuvres. Like I've said, a lot of coaches will have a complete team at this point in the year, so 
trading out underperforming premiums is going to be a priority. The two mainly in the firing line at the moment are Jack Zebel and James Sicily. Depending on your structure and how you're going, you might be able to look at moving both of them on. Could get real fancy and bring someone like Hunter Clark in and maybe a Caleb Daniel up forward. I don't know. Depends on how much money you have in your bank. But Zebel and Sicily are both on the block after struggling recently. You may still have Patrick Lipinski in your side who... Has been all right, but 74 on the weekend isn't really going to cut the mustard. He's priced at 500 grand, so you might not be able to get him up to too, anything too special. But if you can, I'd advise pulling the trigger on the lackluster dog. Shannon Hearn missed his second straight match, and some people held him throughout this stretch. But if he misses again, he has to be cut by those people who've held the West Coast skipper. Speaking of West Coast, like I said, Luke Shuey's on a bit of a knife's edge after some average performances, but does have a very soft run coming up. So he's someone who I was looking at trading out, but with Carlton and Adelaide to come, I think you have to hold him. A couple of popular rookies that will probably find themselves axe after their round 19 efforts include Jared Cameron, Griffin Lowe, and Oscar Baker. All of them failed to get over 35, and if they're on your bench, trading them out for someone who maybe is a debutante or maybe someone like Langlands or McLean that I talked about. Maybe Francis Watson if he holds. Hugh Goddard if he comes back in after his injury. Could all be fine moves. If you've still got someone on your field who's maybe one of those dudes or someone another rookie in the sub 400k price bracket, I think that takes priority before you look at trading out someone like Zebel or Hearn, Lipinski. Um, Sicily, got to get rid of those underperforming rooks. It does sting a bit, but maybe you can generate some money by flicking one of them out, throwing a bench position away for a 170k dude, and then throwing that cash on top of an Oscar Baker type to get up to someone decent. Quick draft check-in for some waiver wire watch. Scooter Selwood performed very, very well in his first game of the year. Only played 68 percent time on ground and managed a 93. I am a little bit concerned over his durability and chances of playing for the rest of the season, but if you need a bit of depth, he got 23 touches on the weekend and had an all right role, so I give you uh, permission to add him if you can. Andrew Brayshaw appears in the waiver wire watch for the second straight week after another ton. He does offer some depth with mid-forward flexibility for some coaches who want to snap him up. If you can't get him in your forward line, you might want to look at Bombers duo Sean McKernan and Zach Clark. They kind of shared the ruck duties in the last few weeks, but Clark mainly played that role over the weekend with McKernan kicking four snags going forward. So they're good forward targets. If you need more help in the ruck, you might want to look at Zach Smith from Geelong. Could be very relevant if he holds Reese Stanley out of the side and gives coaches another ruck to chase if you're desperate. He's in 17% of teams, so... Might not be up for grabs, but definitely worth looking at. And finally, those coaches who are seeking a defender should definitely look at someone like Jaden Short. Had 106 on the weekend. Is in 20% of teams, so might not be able to be snapped up. But if you can't get him, I think Nick Caulfield, who's only in 1% of teams, is worth considering in deeper formats. Finally, my moves. I think, like I've said, rookies on your field should be my priority, but... I'm a little bit hamstrung with cash generation. I emptied the bank to get merit last week, so I can't really get rid of Snelling or stack to anything worthwhile. So for that reason, I'll probably chop out Jared Cameron, maybe get Hayden McLean or Dalton Langlands. Haven't really picked which one I'll go for yet. And then I'll use a little bit of that money to throw on top of Jack Zebel 
If Josh Kelly misses, then Toby Green will be my target, but Caleb Daniel and Ed Kerner are both still in the mix as well. That leaves me with about 50 or 60k to play with for the next couple of weeks, but like I've said, I'm almost getting to the point where I'm going to start throwing away bench positions, so if a 170k bloke's named, then Jared Cameron or maybe someone like Joel Garner could go down to them. Don't rule out Darcy Fort being moved as well for Jordan Sweet from the Bulldogs. And that's going to do it for the round 19 wrap-up. Thanks for tuning in once again. I'll be back doing the AFL Fantasy Finals Primer later in the week. I'm going to try and do that on Wednesday. It might realistically be closer to Thursday, but you can check back to the podcast stream to find that. Of course, you can check out my Dream Team Talk Cash Cows Guide again. I know cash generation and rookie pl- uh, manoeuvres aren't really priority at this point of the year, but... Having a handy debutante might be able to make you a quick 80 grand and then you can chop that bloke out to get one or two more final upgrades. But once again, thanks for tuning in. Good luck in the fantasy finals and in round 20. But until next time, peace.